Did you know there's more Learn the Ropes where this came from? Not only here on the podcast feed, but also on my YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel yet, I'd love to have you there. YouTube.com slash DeFrancisco underscore one, or just look for David Francisco or Learn the Ropes on YouTube. Hello and welcome to the David Francisco Podcast. I hope you're doing great. Thanks so much for joining. It's great to have you here. It's another Learn the Ropes edition of the podcast and the OGMO is back in front of the microphone and we discuss a variety of topics today. We start by him talking about some of the things he did to help with his own development as a professional wrestler. We discuss trainers. We both had the chance of giving a few classes, so we were able to discuss a little bit from that perspective. We talk a little bit about racism in his journey in professional wrestling, and much more. It's a really good edition of the podcast, and I'm sure you'll love it. Learn the ropes, OJMO, on the David Francisco podcast. What are the things you think are important, uh, and maybe even if you want to talk about your own experiences, were key for you to develop as a professional wrestler? Uh, key events or key things in training? Um, I was thinking like key approaches to training, like, oh, I need to work on this. This is important. This is right. key. This isn't. But if you want to talk about events, I'm happy to hear. Well, actually, that's that's a good point in terms of training because for me, um, I can always... I always told myself, I looked at it as like, I'm going to learn one thing in training every session. And because you there's three hours and there's a lot to get into your brain and you're just not going to, even if you write it down on a notepad, which I do recommend. It's a thing I don't do, but I definitely recommend writing stuff down as you're learning them. But like, even if you just learn one thing for at the time, a tenor, Learning one thing, I think Eddie said. Eddie Dennis said the same thing. But if you learn one thing for ten pounds in wrestling, to to me that sounds like a pretty good deal. So in my mind, I was like, I'd always be trying to uh, make sure that I leave a session learning something. If not, I want to see how I can do everything better. It's not oh I know how to do that. I'm not going to be like oh I don't need to do that because I already know how to do that. Everything from forward rolls. I can do forward rolls in my sleep, but how can I do a better forward roll? How can I make my, if there was a judge, how can I make them give me an 11 for my forward roll? These are, these are the things that I keep thinking about how I can still improve myself. And, I, and I, any sessions that I've taken, the few I've taken, I try and tell people to do that when they're going over drills. Cause I can see it sometimes in their face that like, Oh, we've done this before. I know how to do a shoulder roll. And I tell, okay, you know how to do one, but, Try and do one better than you know how to do it already. See if you can do three the distance of the ring instead of two. You know, try and actually challenge yourself, test yourself. Um, because then that just uh, leads into all these other parts of the game. If you're if you're powdering out the ring, how can you make that look better? How can you how can you find different ways to do it? My approach was always that. My approach was always try and learn something new or how can I do the things I already know how to do even better? Uh, you were um, saying events um, when I was asking the question, what made you think of that? Just that the, there's the other part of uh, learning wrestling where like, no matter how much training you do, nothing's going to compare to when you're actually in the ring. 
nothing's going to compare to when you're actually having matches. There is such a learning experience when you get in the ring with certain people, sometimes good and bad, uh, that you just can't replicate or achieve from training. If you want to be a wrestler, you wrestle on shows in front of people. So if you want to get experience at that, if you want to get good at that, you're going to have to wrestle in front of people on shows. So, you know, I always point to, you know, Pac as the best example of someone I've learned the most from in the ring. But then there's loads of matches where I haven't, where like they just didn't go well that I've learned, okay, well, why didn't that go well? What could I have done to make it better? What did my opponent do that maybe they could have not done? Um, and, and these are things that I always uh, attribute to my my growth in wrestling, especially in 2019. When I look at the year of 2019 as such a pivotal year in my career, I feel like I will never grow as exponentially as I did in that year alone because of how many different singles matches I had, how many matches I had, and just the the range of wrestlers that I got to wrestle on a that were that are of a world class standard. So yeah, there the, are the just that's just me saying that there is so much you can learn from wrestling in matches and wrestling against, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world. You were talking earlier about being in a position to um to run some classes and uh, and uh, and to teach, and uh, you've done that before. Um, is it is it weird to be like, oh well, uh, just a few years ago I was there and now I'm here teaching? Uh, and do you feel that pressure? Do you enjoy it? How do you approach it? Absolutely, in terms of it being weird, uh, I, I kind of see it as an honor. Really, uh, I know that like I'm like. I'm like the super, super backup of like, if no one can do it, if you can't do it, if these guys can't do it, then yeah, okay, we'll get, we'll get Michael to <laughs> fill in. But um, it is a very, uh, I do like take a lot of pride in it in the sense that uh, there is that trust there in me to be like, okay, well, he definitely has some kind of knowledge. If he got to this part in his career so quickly, he must know what he's doing. And so he can definitely share some knowledge to other people and at least that's the way i think of it and there's the other thing of the perception of like the outside perception of like well what will other wrestlers think of me <laughs> being a trainer again at this stage of my career are they going to think that oh, what does what does he think he knows and, and i never try and act like i know everything because i know i don't so i i make sure that i give opinions on what i think makes sense but also just if it's fundamental stuff, I can I can advise and then well, this is how I do a shoulder roll. This is how I would do a flip bump. You were talking about the idea of like what would what will people think of um, this specific person training or me giving some classes or whatever? Because to be fair, that was something when I started like properly. Because um, just, just to clarify, like you you don't have a regular class, right? You just um, whenever like uh, we needed cover or whatever um you would put yourself forward and uh, you would do a good job obviously we knew we could count on you for that like um you would be able to we knew that you could run a class and um and be and be able to to do it properly but you were never asked to be a trainer to become a trainer um 
And like in the beginning, I was in the same position, right? When I started teaching classes, I was covering this week of the beginner's course. So I was teaching this intermediate class, whatever it was. And then eventually there was the conversation of becoming a trainer regularly. And one of the things that was told uh, told to me in the beginning was exactly that. Just the idea of like, uh, let's not be too public or too loud about it because what will other people in the business think if they don't know you they're not gonna they're gonna think it's weird that you're training and like and and i, I kind of like um drank that kool-aid if that's how you would use the exception properly probably isn't uh but then like recently especially recently especially in the last few months i've been like well if they don't know me they don't know me <laughs> um if if you're um like if if I was an issue, then I'm sure they would know that I'm an issue, right? And like if I'm giving the opportunity to train people, and people are coming to my training classes and giving me great feedback, it's because I'm doing my job properly. So it's it's we need to, uh, and like even when we say they, right? There's this idea of like someone's approval that we don't really know who it is. But there is this this general um, superior approval that we always need to seek in wrestling, right? That, that hopefully, like that goes away because I think that's been um, part of some issues. Um, I mean, I'll be on record and say that, like, I'll be on record again. I've, I've, you have trained me in a large number of sessions, and I'll go on record and say that you are a great trainer, and then. Again, this is not me being paged to be on the podcast to say that. It's just my actual belief. But it is, it is there is that thing where it's like you kind of have to ignore it because it will be there. Even if it's private, it will be there. But the shame about that being a thing that does exist is I think you're a better trainer at wrestling than me. However, a trainee from the outside will probably, if they have no idea anything about our training abilities, would probably be like, oh, well, uh, if they if they advertise, advertise come, come be trained by the Rev Pro Undisputed British Cruiserweight Champion, there'll probably be more people coming to my session than yours, which is just unfair, but that's the lay of the land. It's kind of the same way that there are loads of people that come to Eddie Dance's session. Yes, albeit he is a great trainer, so it all fits in that sense. He's got years of experience. He is NXT UK's Eddie Dennis. But there is just that thing where, like, I wish the... It's a shame that the perception is that. And I wish that people could not, like, put a name value on, well, who is it in particular that's training me? And just um, have trust in the school and have trust in the fact that the school will allocate a good trainer. Yeah, <laughs> and if they weren't good, then they wouldn't have them. Yeah, there's um just to clarify, the reason why I was bringing that up is just because like I believed it, right? I believed um it, it made sense to me the idea that yes, there needs to uh, I need to earn my place, which is true, I do. I need to earn my place uh, as a trainer. Um, but in my mind, it's like. I need to earn my place as a trainer to my trainees slash to the school, but also to this invisible entity in wrestling that we keep trying to please of them, they, the veterans, what will they think, right? And I'm like, and I recently like changed my mind to like, no, I'm I'm David Francisco. I'm 
I'm a trainer. There's a lot of people who can vouch for me. And if I wasn't uh, good at that, I would have a lot of people that would tell me that, I'm sure. And the results wouldn't be there. But, you know, like I'm I'm not going to buy into that anymore. Um, there's a lot of aspects that I think that we uh, in wrestling need to stop buying into into that, into pleasing them. What will they think right uh, but thank you thank you not bad not bad no one thing doesn't go against the other thank you for um for your words i appreciate that um but that and, and then the last thing i say is that the um i think i think it might have feel cooler for me to be told i've taken a good session more than i've had a good match the times that they've happened I was, uh, have been kind of more rewarding because I'm not sure. I think with, with a wrestling match, I'm at this point where I can kind of feel if the match was good. So if a fan is or people are saying that it was good, it's me not saying, I'm kind of saying I know, but I am grateful for it. But like there is at least an idea and a feeling I'm like, oh, I can see why you're saying it's good. It was a good match. Fair enough. With training, I think it's such an unknown to me that like I'm not sure if a session is good or bad or I don't know if I'm doing a good job. So it is more rewarding when people leave being like, that's a great session, that's a great session. So again, like you said, the fact that you've got a body of of work in terms of trainees saying that they've enjoyed your sessions, saying that you're a good trainer, and actually, you know, becoming good wrestlers, that's all you need. Yeah, and there's something else that I want to bring to the table as well for, for that I think is relevant to this conversation. Who trained Hulk Hogan? Who trained The Rock? Who trained Steve Austin? Who trained your favorite wrestler? Like we know that Gisela Otario trained Shawn Michaels because they um, they they mentioned that. But like my point is, all the 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 big stars um, from wrestling, all our favorite wrestlers, we don't know who trained them. It's it's not a a thing because it's just a, a, such a big gap in generations and that may not even be the most relevant aspect to their success. In fact, we know so many stories of people who are really successful in wrestling that tell the story of, I started training with this person and I now see how I was ripped off. Um, <laughs> like, it wasn't yeah. a good experience, right? Um, so, like, I think that if people determine um, who, like, who they're going to train with, on the basis of who they are, as opposing to selecting a school on the basis of who they've created, of the talent that comes out of that school, I think that's not the best way to to look at it. Um, we're also drawing parallels to like actual wrestling, anyway, in terms of like, in a way, we're kind of saying, well, these people, you know, say this guy's the best wrestler, but that's only because he's a big draw. But this wrestler over here who wrestles in Sheboygan, Iowa, he's really the best wrestler in the world. That is kind of what we're saying. Like, in terms of, like, the name value doesn't make it. Like, again, like, Shawn Michaels training Daniel Bryan, that's kind of, like, probably the only famous example of, like, a famous wrestler training another famous wrestler. But, again, it doesn't matter who your trainer is in terms of, you know, you know, name value over this guy or that guy is if they are a good trainer. And again, your wrestling, your learning doesn't end at where you start training anyway. So there is that too. Did you ever feel you had any issues like um, training or even coming up and the way you were regarding as someone that's starting in a business uh, related to racism or anything similar? 
How about that for a direct question? <laughs> uh, it's a hard one, you know. And broth as well. I'm like, here, have this hot potato. Make sure you can hold it as long as possible without dropping it on the floor. It's such a tough one because how, how can I... I can say no, really. You know, if it feels weird, I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I say no. But the answer is no in the sense that, like, well, how could I have, considering how well I've done in wrestling in such a short space of time, how can I have personally experienced uh, racism in terms of, like, stopping my opportunities? Um, there is a bit of casual racism, racism here and here and there. What I found, which is the same as as I've lived my life before I got into wrestling, is that as soon as you step out of London, that's where the racism begins. I'm not saying there's zero in London, I was gonna but bring that it up. seems like it seems like, like it just if the yeah. idea that you starting and uh, like your journey in wrestling in London. If by any chance that made you be already in an environment that um, will will not expose you right to to certain mentalities that would bring that to your life. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Yeah, again, but that's just a life thing. Again, this is before I got into wrestling. I already had that. I guess, I guess, shock if that's the word. Where like when I left London, that's when I was like, oh my god, there's not a lot of black people in other parts of this country. And then the casual racism ups itself. It's never really overt the way you see in America. Part of me could argue that it's worse because at least you can see, all right, that person over there is clearly racist. I'm not. They're not the problem. It's the ones that like have it like deep ingrained and have it like undercover and subtly. Those are the ones that like uh, you got to worry about. But I, so I already kind of knew that that was what I'd expect. And, you know, it seems like any direction you go outside of London, that's what would happen. But again, in terms of like my trajectory, in terms of wrestling, it was never really, um, you know, halted by by my race. Um, there's one example of a promoter that asked if I could rap when I was trying to get booked by them. And I was like, well, that's obviously because I'm black. Uh, how about I just be a wrestler? <laughs> the way everybody else you book is just a wrestler. Uh, but But that's literally the only example of like, to me directly that I can think of off the top of my head where someone was showing some form of racism to me. I've definitely heard it in passing. I've definitely heard things to other people in passing, but for me personally, um, again, I feel lucky if I, even the fact that I'm saying that I haven't experienced racism, I know that that's luck because still when I'm at these shows succeeding, <laughs> Um, be a, a, a ref pro progress, even the big, the big, big shows. I do notice that I'm one of the very, I'm pretty much usually the only black person there on these cards. So I might be enjoying the fruit of the labor, but there's clearly something going on if there are other talented uh, people from different ethnicities that aren't here when. They have everything in their ability and in their tank to be able to be here. So there's definitely an issue. Uh, it's a systemic issue that, again, it's not just it's not just in wrestling. It's in the world that, yeah, of course, we're, it's better now than it's ever been in theory. But it doesn't mean that there's not still a ways way to go.
Like, why is it that any wrestler that's been called the next Shawn Michaels is white? I've never heard a black person be called the next Shawn Michaels. I'd love to be called the next Shawn Michaels. I like him. I emulate a lot of his stuff. Why not me? I'm sure it's because of the the hair length, you know. Ah, that's it. I've got a full head of hair. Yeah. Um, I've never (laughs) seen you do a skin the cat either. (laughs) I've done it loads of times. Actually, I've tried to do it in many rumbles, and I'm too blown that it just doesn't happen. (laughs) So there it is. Such a fun conversation. It was great talking with the OGMO about all these topics. There's more OGMO here on the podcast. If you haven't had a chance of hearing yet, there's not only another Learn the Ropes edition where we talk a little bit about starting in wrestling and his journey all the way until his first match, but also we have a catch-up where we just talked a little bit about life and what's been happening lately. Make sure you check that out. Check the feed for other OGMO episodes and more here on the David Francisco podcast. If you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe. That's really important. And give me a rating as well. If you haven't yet, that's so helpful. And make sure you follow me everywhere. Let me know what you thought of this edition or any edition of the podcast at DeFrancisco underscore one on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and much more. We'll leave it there this week. It was great having you here. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next time.